Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley to discuss the series as a whole against Las Vegas for the Avs. Should be an, an interesting, more of a deep divey type episode on this one. So, I mean, let's face it, both these teams were pegged to be top two in the West before the series, and I don't think the series has changed that much at all as they both split it 2-2. Any uh, immediate big takeaways, AJ? Yeah. Um, I'd like to say, first of all, that the goaltending was great in that series. Yep, on both sides. Um you look at two of the three goals last night, there's nothing that you can really ask for uh, Philip Grubauer to do too much differently. You know, gives up yep. what's essentially a breakaway to tuck an own goal on a, like on a, just a bad bounce with Byram. And then the third goal was, I put it in my piece last night, but uh, arguably the worst goal of the entire series. And, that being a wide open look from yeah. the high slot, like <laughs> a prime, like a prime scoring position. It was just not, not a great shot that Grubauer was probably expecting to have to make a fancy glove save there. And he's like, what do you mean? He flubbed it and it went five hole. Yep. So that, I mean, obviously on, on Vegas's side, Flory posts two shutouts on the series and we'll, we'll dive all the way into why the Avs got shut out twice, I have no doubt. But starting with the goaltending, yeah. Uh, Grubauer has done exactly what the Avs have needed him to with them not having a bona fide NHL backup at this point. Um, he can clearly go toe-to-toe with Vegas's offense. There, There isn't the explosive offensive power for Vegas, right? It it doesn't seem like it's quite there to the level that the avalanche might be capable of, but to be honest, neither team really, really blew the other one out in this series. The the biggest lead was this last game where Vegas won three to nothing. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the first three games were decided by a goal. Yep. One, nothing in a couple of three, two games. So, so, and you know, the second game, the abs, score the game-winning goal with 39 seconds to go. Um, the outdoor game, the 3-1, the three, this the other 3-2 win, a little more of a traditional, like, they had the, the kind of led throughout, one nothing, 1-1, and then 2-1, 3-1, Yeah. Um, but the, what I, what I did, what I did find really interesting is that, um, the third periods where the abs rolled in trailing Vegas games one and four, they dominated both of those periods. They came out with the kind of energy and not the execution that they needed, but they came out and played the way you'd want them to play in those periods. And they didn't get it done, and this continues to be kind of quietly a thing that I worry about with this with this group, is that they spend so much time playing with the lead that they look a little uncomfortable at times playing from behind. 
Um, you know, last night's game obviously was a little different. You know, nothing, nothing after the first period. And then they give up three goals in what, like an eight minute period yeah. or something in the second. Something like that, yeah. And they never really settle into, you know, a normal like one or two goal game. Um, it, it was, it was like they got down one nothing. Um, and then the the bad bounce happened, like like two shifts later. Like it, it was just it was not very long. And then they blinked, and it was two nothing. And then one breakdown, and it's a th- it's a three goal game. And at that point, you're just kind of like, this is, this is done. Yeah. Um. But they, I I really like I I found the third period last night encouraging. You know, statistically, we look at it and we kind of throw it in the bin and we say those are score effects, and they definitely are. But to see them play that way, despite it being a three-goal game, you know, if you're down one nothing, it's easy to get amped up and motivated, right? But Matt Calvert talked a lot about last night in his in, his, in the post-game presser that they have a higher standard for how they should play. And I think that between the second and third periods, they got to it. And I found that encouraging, um, just process-wise. Um, I am there, there. I walked out of the game last night feeling uncomfortable about a couple of things, and and worried about them, like downright worried about this this team's ability to do certain things as currently constructed yeah uh i mean one of the first things here that chat has mentioned is abs have and this goes well beyond the vegas series over the last year and the 15 games of this season they have one third period comeback mm-hmm. um look the process is great that the Avs can get where they need to be to dominate a third period, but they lost both of these third periods against Vegas. They did mm-hmm. not find the goal that they needed and the one it's that was reasonable to come back. Yeah. And then this one, they didn't, they didn't manage to find a way to get that goal. And I, I, where do you want to go first? Do you want to, do you want to talk about the lack of scoring here? Yeah. I think this is, I, Especially because I've been taking heat from people all day, which surprised me. Um, I tweeted out last night, my last tweet before I had work to do, uh, that the abs kind of have a sneaky offense problem. And there were people who were like, yeah, but with COVID and now with injuries and you're being unreasonable or you need to relax, which don't tell people on the internet to relax unless they are being hysterical. <laughs> then you can do that. But I was very much not. <laughs> uh, I just said they have a sneaky offense problem. By that, I mean, we don't think of the abs as a team with a problem up front on offense. We don't think of them as a team that score that struggles to score goals. But when you start to dig a little bit deeper... They're struggling right now. They've also they've also struggled a little bit at even strength. Everybody loves to shit on the power play, but without the power play, they might not have two or three of the wins that they do. 
And, you know, <laughs> the, power, the power play is actually one of those units that's actually, right now, it's underperforming in the results. But if you look at some of the metrics and those things, it's better than it has been in previous years. Right. And, you know, I think it's hard to quantify for some people because you look at the top of the Av scoring. McKinnon's not having any trouble scoring. He has 18 points in 14 games. Ranton in 13 and 15. McCarr 12 and 13. Their high end is still there. And, and honestly, you know, even a significant amount of their secondary scoring is fine, I think. Saad with 10 and 15. Same for Donskoy. Gerard has 10 and 13 now that he's back in the lineup. Even Kadri has 8 and 15, which is a little bit low, but nothing... Yeah egregious but it's when you get into that bottom six for the abs that there's just uh, you're not asking your bottom six to score a lot but the abs just aren't getting enough scoring out of it yeah i i put out a thing last night you know there were a couple and to a couple of people who responded aggressively with my you know with what i was saying about the bottom six Right now, if if the entire bottom six, what we think of as the bottom six regulars, if all of those guys continued at their current scoring paces across the fifty-six game point season or fifty-six uh, game season, right now, they would finish the season with Comfort would have a seven-point season, Nachushkin would have an eleven-point season. Donskoy would have a 37-point season. Jost would have a four-point season. Calvert, a seven-point season. And Belmar would have a zero-point season because he has yet to register a single point. Yep. And the only guy that you're looking on that list and you're saying, well, I don't mind that, is Jonas Donskoy. Yeah. Now, Calvert, Calvert, you have to also be fair there. He's played half the games. So he's got like one point in like seven or eight games. The rest of these guys, the the rest of these guys are all in the 12, 13, 12, 14, 12 plus yeah. range here. You know, Jost misses a game or two uh, with, with COVID and Belmar with the knee, blah, 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 blah. Like, sure. But the rest of these guys, like nothing is happening. And then you look at even strength, Tyson Jost, JT Confer, and Pierre Edward Belmar. That is half of your bottom six. That is half of your bottom six that has zero points at even strength. Yep. Zero through 15 games. Now, we talked about people were overreacting. Oh, Brandon Sod is terrible. Brandon Sod doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Brandon Sod is this. Brandon Sod is that because he had a slow start. And we were like, look, guys, five games is nothing. If you get into 15 and 20 games and this is still going on, you have a problem. 15 games is more than a quarter of the season. Yeah. In a 56 game year. So, like, it's, it's <laughs> early, but it's not. At yep. the same time, it's early, but it's not. And so, a couple of the two things that I wanted I, I want to address from the chat that are related to this. 
They haven't scored a power play goal in six games. That's bad. Fully, full stop, recognize that. That's bad. They had one opportunity last night. Yeah, and the opportunities have been fewer and further between as of late, a little yeah. bit. Well, and their best opportunity was a five-on-three on ice that they couldn't just skate dumpster. on. Yeah. And they still created quality scoring chances on that, and it still took a great Marc-Andre Fleury, like, diving shoulder save to keep them off the scoreboard. And you go back to the two games before that, and they were missing two key pieces to their power play. Yeah, no McCarr and no Landeskog. Yep. And then when you're that depleted, you don't even talk about your second unit. That's just the rest of the guys you have right. on your bench, basically. Well, and we saw, like, Devon Taves has run a great second power play next to Sam Gerrard when that guy was up top. Yep. On on the top power play, nowhere near there as were, good. He was a ghost, yeah. It's the same thing. It was the same thing that happened with uh, Taves in New York last year. That's why he didn't run the top power play all the time. It's why it was very when he was running, when he was going well, toss him in there. But when he wasn't, Ryan Pulak took care of that. I mean, it it certainly seems like Taves is a lot more comfortable not being the distributor on the power play. When he's the yeah. guy that they're trying to run it through, he seems a little bit unsettled. Seems like he's not 100% sure what he wants to do with the puck at times. Yeah, and, you know, last night was arguably his worst game as an Av. Um, yeah, and metrics-wise, like, it was really bad. But he just, got, he just got beat up a little bit last night, and that's one of those things that happens. Got robbed shorthanded in the third period, though. The other thing that I want to mention, the Logan O'Connor glove. Yep. Um, we've talked about it on this pod. When he was playing, he absolutely did enough to deserve to stay in the lineup. But if the basis of that is the two goals that he scored, that dude basically took all of the puck luck that the entire bottom six has not had. Yep. Because if you look at his two goals, that dude, he scores one of them off of a relatively harmless slap shot that goes in off of the goaltender's stick. That was laying on the ice that next was to the goaltender. Pretty nonsense. And then the other one was that little nothing chip that went in. Uh, it might have even gone in off the defender, but it was like right. It, it was not a quality scoring chance. Yep. It was, he just like chipped the puck, and like it was the epitome of good things happen when you throw the puck at the net. He's got the goals. You can't take that away from him. But, like, let's do consider that he got more than his fair share of good fortune in getting them. And if you could, if, if you could just, any of those other guys had gotten that kind of luck, you know, they would be sitting with a goal or two to their name as well. It was just, Logan, Logan O'Connor has been, has been good and, He's looked solid, but he's very, very limited. We saw that limitation when he had to play in a third-line role instead of a yeah, very strict fourth-line role. Could not hang at all. He just does not have the game to translate to that level. So that's a guy that, you know, you're – it's totally – it's totally – I have no issues if – if we if we were to go to uh, the, you fast forward to tomorrow morning a morning skate 
and JT Confer is sitting and Logan O'Connor is in the game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bag on the move. JT Confer has, has played his way out of the lineup in my mind. He's he er, he's earned the opportunity to sit his ass down and think about what he hasn't I, done for 15 games. I, I do want to talk about Comfort a little bit more, but we do have to take our first period break. First, with Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different types on tap down at the DNVR bar. Oh, yeah, they have hard seltzer now. Uh, AJ loves it. I haven't had the chance to try it yet because the rest of the company drank all of it in like one night, so it yeah. must be pretty Dude, good. If, if anything happens when the Nuggets guys are even remotely involved, you're screwed. <laughs> High key... The seltzers are the best seltzers I've ever had, though. So there you go. They be did sure to fast. Would be sure to get it and drink them quick because apparently, you know, they go fast. I wasn't able to get my hands on any. Uh, yeah, go find it out there at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator online to find Breck Brew near you. And, of course, we are sponsored by Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia have been in the business for quite a while. They're local and family-owned, just like us here at DNVR. So supporting our partners is supporting us. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. And not only get yourself a free consultation, but signed up for some free merch as well. Be sure to jump on that. Why not win yourself a free DNVR shirt? And you can get yourself set up as well as Mike is a financial planner. So they bring a lot more than just a great rate to you as a mortgage company. So they'll deal with all of the financial issues that you're dealing with and create a great plan for you when it comes to getting a home loan. Again, check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to put in a pin, put a pin in Confer for just a second because I do want to continue this Logan O'Connor conversation. You throw him in the lineup for JT Confer. Mm-hmm. I suspect you'd be okay with throwing him in the lineup over Belmare. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone else you would actually heavily consider throwing him in the lineup over? Jost, possibly? Nachushkin, I imagine not. So... Um, at this point, Joseph and Nachushkin are the same guy. Agreed. Uh, as been. long as as long as they're giving you the the defensive side of the puck that you're asking for from them, I think I'm good. Yeah. Um, I think Comfer and Comfer and Belmar have to be the guys that go before that. Um, somebody asked what LOC's underlying numbers look like, and they're phenomenal. Yep. They're they're all like. They're all dumb, man. Like, just trust me. They're dumb. It's they're so good. In 46 minutes of five-on-five five time. Right. It's the one caveat there. Yeah, and that's 46 minutes across five games. Yep. So that tells you, like, where he needs to be. Pretty much. You're looking at a maximum of 10 minutes a night for the guy. Yeah. Which... Yeah. After this last game against Vegas, uh, Evan and I and, and Blaze talked about this a little bit on yesterday's pod, but it sure seems like uh, the leash is getting yanked on JT Confer at this point. It, it, it It's slowly getting pulled out, pulled away from him because the coaching staff is like, we just can't keep doing this. Yep. 
and they can't. I mean, they straight up, they just can't, man. It's yeah. It he's been the exact opposite of of Logan O'Connor, right? For for how phenomenal his numbers are, JT Comfer's numbers at five on five in almost mm-hmm. every advanced statistical category is right at the bottom for the Avs. Yeah. The most nights he is their least effective player. So, and I mean, that's tough, right? With Belmar, you say, look, this is an aging guy. You kind of expected this. He plays on the fourth line anyway, and has a pretty defined role as someone who you're not necessarily expecting the most production out of, but you want to get some PK minutes and face offs one out of him. Yeah. With Comfort, they're expecting an all-around game. They're expecting a guy that, uh, I'm not going to do the math, to pare it down to a 56-game season, but should push for around 30 points in an 82-game season, and he hasn't even sniffed that this year. Yeah. So, it the sample size is starting to get into the range of, okay, this isn't just a cold streak, I guess, is my point. Yeah, I think um, maybe my biggest concern for Comfer is that he drags down every line that he's on. Yeah. When you look at all these other guys who have great underlying numbers, right? And you're you're they're moving around. Uh, Landis with Comfer numbers or Landis yeah. and Jost have been great analytics players this year. They've driven play, all of that. They they play two games next to JT Comfer and they both crater. Yep. And you're like. What's what's going on here, man? Like, they just need something passable, right? It's, yeah. Like, what what's happening that you know so they they moved him they moved him off of center. Yeah, they started trying, playing him on the wing, or at least rotating him out to the wing over the last yeah. couple of games. And and I know hadn't done anything. Guy's still a ghost. Yep. He's not doing anything. Um, and like. We talked about him as a problem spot coming into the season, but nothing like this. Yeah, you. There was a thought that, look, the Avs top six that they built is just not an issue, right? And well, at even strength, it's you still have some concerns. I, uh, I agree, and and I, I will. We'll get into those. I think particularly Andre Burakovsky doing a bit of a ghost impression. Um, but wrapping up this bottom six conversation first, it's been it, – it just hasn't been good enough at this point. We spent the first 10 games of the season talking about process and how good it was at times, especially for the fourth line – with some of the iterations of it, but it don't, it, it does not matter at the end of the day, how good your process is because you can't win a hockey game without scoring a goal. Yeah. So, um, all right. Do you want to move into the top six conversation or do you want to talk about the defense here? Um, Let's just keep with the forwards. We're right. already in this room. So, obviously, I already mentioned the Avs just need more out of Andre Burakovsky. Uh, pretty, Three points at even strength. Pretty blatantly not good enough from him. Uh, 
and you know he started off the season strong was a big reason why the power play started off hot but missed a couple of games and has not produced at all for them it was just totally invisible in this Vegas series since that is really the topic of today I suppose um, you've seen you've seen Brandon Saad I think probably have the most success on that second line against Vegas yeah and I think he's been of that second line he's been the most consistent um, positive contributor for them yep agreed Kadri a little bit all over the place right he, yeah. he had that game-winning goal came up big in the clutch for the Avs there but Again, another guy who has done a little bit of a disappearing act against Vegas outside of that, you know, has not played great games. On the other hand, he has he's had some quality opportunities. It's been a weird year for him. He has not had the finishing ability yeah. I think we are used to out of him. Well, we came into this season with a our it, it was like a low key. Like he looking... got some of the underlines got a little worse again last year. Yeah, and it was like, is this is this the is this his aging curve setting in right at thirty where he stops being an effective top six player? But we weren't really that concerned, and he's been burning really, really hot and cold. Yep, this year uh, where he's he's awesome, dominating games. You know, really. Totally locked in, and you get 150% of what you expect out of Kadri on a, in a night. And then on the nights where you don't get that, you're getting 10% of what you expect. You know, the game-winning goal that he had, he hadn't been any good. He'd had another forgettable night. And then, bam, puts that thing home, and you're like, Naz. Life would Naz. <laughs> and... You know, then, you know, then the outdoor game is on the wrong end of Alex Tuck making him look bad. Straight up. You know, uh, I don't think it's particularly poor defense. If Tuck goes hard at the net and he and Kadri doesn't defend him that way, we would be tired. That would have been really bad defense. Tuck just did an awesome thing. But that's sort of, you know, and, and what Marc-Andre Fleury made a personal highlight reel out of stopping just Kadri last night. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's frustrating. Cause it's like, look, man, if, if you could do those, if you could do it differently, you one time, both of those pucks. Yep. And don't let, don't give Fleury the time to get across. How differently do you feel about it? Right. If one of those goes in the net, all of a sudden, not so bad. And obviously, the, the shape of the game looks completely different. So you can only estimate so much there. But the Avs, they're... I think Mike Kadri is a bit of a microcosm of, of their season as a whole when you look at it. The Avs are a good enough team to beat teams without their A game. But every once in a while, you see them pop off, right? The 8-0 game against St. Louis. They mm-hmm. dropped seven on the Sharks. 
And then the Minnesota back-to-back may be a perfect example. They drop five on Minnesota and cruise to a victory easily and then go a bit cold on the other side and end up losing in overtime to a much weaker team. The consistency just has not been there for, honestly, anyone. Like, even Nathan McKinnon, who has consistently put up points, went, what was it, like eight games without scoring a goal? Yeah. And and I I mean, he only has, what, like four on the year? Yeah, four or five. I think four, yeah. Four, four goals, 14 assists. So, and <laughs> again, uh, the consistency theme continues going. Miko started the season pouring goals into the net, and now he hasn't scored in a hot minute. Yeah. So it's it's one of those tough spots where. When, and the Miko and the McKinnon thing, like there's, there's a, that's a lever. Sure, yeah. You're only you can't have both of them goal. scoring goals. Right. Like, both of those guys are not going to be pouring in goals every single game, you know? It's it, – what we've seen is that McKinnon started off really slow in the goal-scoring department. Miko did not. And then Miko slowed down, and McKinnon has two goals in the last week. And it's like, okay, well, hello, this is the balancing act. This is this is why we don't talk about Rantanen as a guy that's going to score fifty because he's got McKinnon next to him. He's going to score thirty of his own. So, I think I think that's just a I think that's just how that goes with that line. Uh, it's the it's it's really honestly, man. It's it's the other guys. Um, yep. I I will also add that there are I think I think that there's some bad luck involved in this. I don't think it's all just these guys are all suddenly bad. When you Agreed. look at on ice shooting percentages, man, they're impossibly low. The the Avs have five, or was last night six? No, yeah, five regulation losses this year, and then one overtime loss. Mm-hmm. And in three of those, they faced pinnacle goaltending. Yeah. Like cannot get any better in the NHL goaltending. Yeah. So I I agree, you know, it's it's probably a, a bit of a, a conversation between certainly they've they've been a little bit unlucky with their shooting percentages combined Definitely. with you know what? You get you get into games like that, people start squeezing their sticks a little bit, they start firing into the goalie's chest. Those type of things go hand in hand and well, I it's, think it's it's like you look at the fourth line last night. The fourth line was really good, right? Yep. Creative you know opportunities, many, but you know how many goals have been scored at five v five with PR Edward Belmar on the ice this season? Uh one. Zero. <laughs> Zero, yeah. He has not been on the ice for a single goal for the Avalanche through twelve games. So that there's definitely it's, a little bit of a PDO conversation going on there. Yeah, the on-ice shooting percentage with Pierre Edward Bromar, 5v5, is freaking zero. <laughs> now, some of these other guys, too. Matt Calvert, 2.56. Yeah. Tyson Jost, 3.13. Val Nachushkin, 3.26. JT Comfort, 2.74. So a little bit okay. of a lack of sustainability to how low those numbers are for sure. Like you look at, and then when you look at Logan O'Connor, 6.67. Yep. 
more, much more reasonable number. That's right. Like that's all you're sort of in the conversation when you're in the six range. It's yep. still low for forwards. It's still low. You're, but it's you're not looking like, for like eight-ish, nine-ish yeah, percent when there. When you really but... get into seven to nine, you're you're right in that, like right in like the heart of where you ought to be. Yep. So when I say that, like when we're talking that, that this just gives you context. When we're talking Nachushkin and Comfer and Jost and Calvert and Belmar all under five, it's ridiculous. Some of this is some of this is absolutely just comically bad luck. I don't disagree. Uh, I I think, and we saw this happen in a much shorter span for the second line, right? The first five games of the season where they just couldn't get that damn to break, and then it finally broke, and it felt like all right. They're back to normal. And while there's still been some inconsistency there, you've seen consistent production out of Saad. You've seen some production out of Kadri, even if it has been a little bit off and on, to the point where you're not freaking out about it like you are with the bottom six, because you can see the you can see the talent level there with the second line. There are some points in this bottom six where you're not seeing the talent level anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and with with Donskoy obviously producing just fine, Calvert is is the same player Matt Calvert has always been. He only knows one way how to play the game. Nothing has changed there. But you wonder about Belmar. He, it sure doesn't seem like his hands can keep up with the NHL anymore. Yeah, you wonder about Confer as. I look, he's not the player that the abs have known for the past three years of his career by any means this season. And it, across the long term, this is probably the outlier year, but they have to find a way to get him back to where he was or they have to bench him. Yeah. They and, have to. And then kind of the same story with Nachushkin, right? Yes, he's giving you great defensive metrics. Yes, he's worth keeping in the lineup, but the abs missed the offensive production they got out of him last year. Yeah, it was a huge reason. It was a huge boon in bringing him back. Was you you said okay? Like we're we'll take we'll sign up right now for him to do this again for him to give us twenty five ish points. Yeah, they it would. I mean, right now they'll take any production they can get out of their bottom six. I don't think they care who it comes from, but yeah. And with Nachushkin, like the underlying numbers with Nachushkin are as good as ever. They're yeah, great. Exactly. He well, and he the the big difference between Nachushkin and Jost, both of their defensive metrics are fantastic. The big difference is is that Nachushkin is driving more offense, way more offense. Yep. It's just not falling for him. It's not and. You say, okay, some of that is definitely a matter of time. We saw this last year. Nachushkin had a slow start last year, too, before he kind of, you know. Went on a tear to balance it out a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. And and you're like, okay, well, this is just like the universe evening it up. This is the thing that happens in hockey. It's rare that guys go entire seasons totally snake bit like that. And Nachushkin's a guy two years ago that did it. Yep. You remember, this is a guy that when he got to Colorado was coming off of a, a season in which I think he played 52 games. 
Average 13 minutes of, of yeah, ice time per night. In that stretch, yeah. Had zero goals. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're you're it's they're you're frustrated by that. But you're also like, look, we we know that there's better, we're gonna roll with it. And it's just I mean, you're in a you're in a weird spot because these are not borderline NHL players that you're just willy nilly like right. dropping in and drop. You know, this is this is not the Sven Andrigetto, Gabe Borks, Cody McLeod's. You know, where you're like, these guys may not even be in the NHL on another team. If these guys are on another team, they're playing. These guys are NHL players, and I think that's where you know Chad is starting to get into the Logan O'Connor. Shane Bowers, Martin Kaut thing. For the moment, we still think Kaut is hurt. Kaut, as far as we know, the Eagles are officially saying he has an upper body injury. Yeah, and um, Shane Bowers is about to have a back injury from carrying, carrying the Eagles. That team. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I, the Bowers Kaut conversation. Look, I think it's very easy right now with the way rosters are set up this year. It's not a conversation until they get called up to the taxi squad. Yeah. You don't even have to have it unless the abs put them on the taxi squad because they can't call them up without doing that. Yeah. So there's a very simple indicator of whether there's a chance that these guys could play. And right now that answer is they're not going to play for the abs in the immediate future. And I mean, Given how many injuries and other things they were dealing with, count conversations may be a little bit different if he was, in fact, dealing with an injury. But it sure looks like they don't have an interest in playing Shane Bowers this year unless something crazy happens. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we can take our second period break on that note with DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. If Shane Bowers ever does get into a game, I'm sure him scoring a goal will be something like one in 2000. So maybe jump in on that if Bowers ever gets in. When you sign up with code DNVR, you can turn $1 into a $100 bet on any basketball game this week. Any basketball game, they hit a three-pointer, you get 100 bucks easy it's the easiest hundred bucks you've ever made if you didn't get in on this already last weekend with the college basketball now it's just any basketball game go bet a dollar win a hundred bucks with a three-pointer why not jump on it pretty much free money for you to go and make more money at DraftKings Sportsbook with more bets. So jump on it today. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. If basketball is not your thing, of course, you can always bet on hockey, soccer, table tennis, esports, pretty much anything under the sun that is qualified as some sort of a competition. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered to bet on it. They've paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012. So jump on that DNVR promo code today to let them know we sent you over there and get yourself that $100. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you want to put a bow on this forward core or, or are you comfortable with it? And we can move into the defensive conversation. 
versus um, Vegas here. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I mean, I think I think we've made the point, right? Like we tried to talk about yep. the top six, and we were like, Burkowski hasn't scored at even strength. Kadri's run hot and are cold. Let's get back to the bottom six. Because it's just been that big of a problem. It really has. So you know, and there's a lot to there's a lot going on on the defense right now that we can we can dig into. Yeah, the defense has been a little bit all over the place. Granted, uh, Sam Gerrard and Devon Taves just kind of got dropped back into the lineup for the outdoor game. So they've only been back for a couple of games. But the Avs defense is a little bit all over the place. Uh, top to bottom, even. I, I, I guess we can start with Kale McCarr. Look, the production's fine. He's still on close to a nightly basis is doing mm-hmm. ruining people's ankles. And that and, burst that he had in the second period yep. last night where it was like Kale McCarr hadn't really done a whole lot. And then he was like, I'm going to ruin all these dudes nights. <laughs> and Kadri just didn't live up to his end of the highlight reel, but that, and then that BB that he fired on the power play in the third period. Ooh, what a toe save from Flurry! And I is, still don't know how he saw that puck. He has so much going on. Not the conversation of a car season. One goal this year. Uh, plenty yeah. of opportunity, and the yeah. puck's just not falling for him. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because his on ice shooting percentage is actually the highest on the team of the I, guys that regularly play. And granted, there's there's twelve assists to back up that one goal. Yeah, well, and and it's uh, he's he's been a great creator, you know. Yeah, yeah, he he has settled into a bit more of a distributor role. With that being said, he still has hit multiple posts this year. Uh, as Ryan pointed out, he did struggle a little bit defensively the other night, but that was that game was weird. McCarr in that game just it, he didn't quite have his legs fully for whatever reason. Um. One game like that, I'm not going to take too much away from it. I told you they were going to do this. Oh, God. I told you. So the NHL literally just now announced that their last unscheduled game, uh, Colorado-St. Louis, has been rescheduled for April 2nd. So they now have no two-day breaks for the rest of the year. Yep. Great. And it's funny. um, Hold on. Let me see. Do they reschedule? Ooh, they rescheduled a couple of Colorado games. They moved around multiple things. Yeah. So maybe they have a break. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Live um, breaking news coming at you here. Yeah. So this is so they the 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 unscheduled game is now on April second. Yeah. Or Not it looks bad. like they moved the 20th, the game from April 20th to the 2nd. Okay. And then they – oh, I just lost it. There's, there's a, there are a lot of games in here. A lot of movement. Yeah. Uh, so the Colorado at St. Louis, which was originally scheduled for February 7th, is now scheduled for, for the 20th. Okay. Of March? Of April. So they took the game from April 20th and moved it to April 2nd. 
and then yeah. took and then took the game the the scheduled game and moved it to the 20th so but that's yeah. so that's so the second and third they could both be at home for the Avs, so they didn't have to travel yeah that makes yeah sense. and then the feb 7 game that got canceled that got postponed is now the, the game on the 20th okay yeah so they just kept the same opponent they just moved that so they um and then straight in st louis yeah well, and then, so they had that Saturday game. Remember I said that they can't move it to Friday night because the Saturday game was at 1 p.m.? Yep. That game is now um, that game is now a 7 p.m. start. So they play Friday and Saturday. Makes the sense. Second and the April 2nd and 3rd. Yep. They just changed the start times. So this is actually a pretty easy. Yeah. Dropped it in there. So the only sad thing is the Avs now do not get two days off for the rest of the season, as I already mentioned. So yep, what was already was a splint of sprint of games just got more sprinty. So it's going to be, uh, going to be a, <laughs> a full on sprint for the Avs. You can, I, I'm gearing up to expect some injuries. We'll put it that way. <laughs> anyway, uh, that, that does that cover all the schedule changes? Was there anything else for the abs? Yeah, just okay. those. Okay, cool. So not most of the abs were already rescheduled. They just kind of finished things up. Uh, they had to find a home for one game, and the one game that they did. Um, it's funny because it looks like three changes. If you actually open up the press release, sure, there are three abs changes, um, but one of them is. It's just it's, picking which game actually goes into the slot, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it just it reads funny because it says St. Louis and Colorado originally scheduled for April twentieth is now scheduled for for April second at seven p.m. Yeah, and then it was Colorado at St. Louis originally scheduled for February seventh is now scheduled for April twentieth yeah. at eight at at six p.m. Yeah, and then the start time of the April third game is now seven p.m. So pretty straightforward there. The Avs uh, will have the back-to-back at home against the Blues, and then we'll have a straight three-game set in St. Louis in late April now, um, where their defense will probably play a factor. Uh, we've moved we've moved through McCarr. We've talked about Taves a little bit already, um, who outside of that one bad game has arguably been the Avs' most consistent defenseman. Sam Gerard has I I really don't have any complaints against Sam Gerard. He's had a, a a tougher game here and there, but outside of you know having been put on the COVID protocol list, has been exactly what the Avs needed him to be to round out a top four. So you're pretty content on the whole with the Avs top three D there. If you want to call them the top three where things start to get interesting, start in the number four spot, which with EJ still out. So I guess long-term I, there isn't exactly a clear timetable on when he's going to come back. Um, you're running a healthy bottom six outside of EJ of right now, Byram Graves and Timmons. They're, there's an argument to be made that that defense can still contend for best in the league, but it's far from perfect. And I, I guess my question here is, 
the Avs have committed to Byram at this point. They're going to continue to play him. And and for the most part, he's been fine. A little bit up and down at times, but you knew you were getting that out of a rookie defenseman. Are yeah. they committed to Timmins as well? They should be. I don't disagree, but are they? I think so. Okay. I mean, they keep playing him, right? And even last night, kind of on the bad end of bad luck there. The penalty, like he has a he has a bad shift. He clears the he clears the puck with a back pass where there's nobody there and creates a break for Vegas. Yep. And then gets called for a penalty that on replay he didn't commit. I mean, I think that's a penalty. I think that the linesman committed the penalty and that Timmons committed the mortal sin of wearing an abs jersey while the linesman tripped him. So he put his the stick was somewhere it shouldn't be. It might have been incidental. And in fact, I'm almost certain it was incidental. But if the linesman's not there, I don't think it's tripping. I don't think I don't think I don't think any of that shit happens, is what I'm saying. Um, so I think he's just I think it was just some bad luck there. I thought it was tripping live because it happened in front of us, but I couldn't really see the wall because where I was sitting, you just can't really see on ice at that wall right there. Um Anyway, this, not the point. Yeah, yeah, this is nitpicking. <laughs> I didn't think I. I thought he got. I, it was bad luck, and that was the that was the terrible shift. The rest of his game last night was fine. I did not. I just didn't have problems with the rest of his game outside of that one shift, which was bad. And then they scored on the power play, and then it was like this is all Connor Timmons' fault, even though, you know, the entire PK unit yeah. just let Alex Tuck do whatever the whatever he wanted. Hey. The other defenseman we're about to talk about, Ryan Graves, got straight up beat down the middle of the ice. Um, so I think Timmons has been fine. I, I really have no qualms with the Avs defense on the whole. Uh, again, Timmons is kind of the same conversation as Byron, right? If you're if you're sticking with him and willing to put him in the, the lineup, you accept some fluctuation in play from a rookie defenseman. That's part of the part of the territory. Ryan Graves was kind of the same story in this series, despite not being a rookie and significantly older than those two guys. We saw in the outdoor game, Graves was great. He did exactly what the Avs wanted him to do on the defensive side. What a game it was for him. And then, but then... It was so nice to see, too, because it was like, man, when Ryan Graves is playing well, boy, he is so solid. And then it was right back to the inconsistency, the, the very next game, where... The puck management was bad. Obviously getting completely torched on the power play, which, I mean, maybe you live with that. You know Graves isn't going to be the best skater on the team. But. It's so funny when I see people bag on Timmons and they're like, I don't think his skating fits on the team. And then it's like, Ryan Graves is right there. Yeah. (laughs) As an example of how poor skating works. Otherwise, like, how have, how have they just – I don't I The only reason it stands out is because the other guys are such great skaters. Yep. And uh, Timmons just hasn't found his way yet in the NHL. Like, yep. you can't you can't think of – like, it's Timmons hasn't had all bad games, but if you sat down and asked any one of us which was Timmons' best game and we had to do it blind, we wouldn't know which one to pick. No. Nope. There hasn't been a Connor Timmons game yet. Yep. And he's played like 12 of them. 
Like this is the this is the rookie that's getting the chance. Yep. Right. So it's been it's been interesting so far. If Eric Johnson were to if he were coming back anytime soon, he might be feeling more pressure to oh, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Um, but I I I don't really mind Connor Timmons. And to be honest with you, the underlying numbers, it's it's funny the way that people talk about Connor Timmons. Yep. Because it's like Connor Timmons sucks. Connor Timmons this. He, we've been waiting all this time for Timmons, and now he's bad, and people are giving up on him after 10 games. And then they're like, play Shane Bowers. And it's like, oh, yeah? Well, if he has a poor 10 games, then what are we talking about? <laughs> you guys going to say that he sucks and you should give up on his ass too? Like, you can't have it both ways. Some of these kids are and Bowen Byron gets a free pass, one, because everybody likes him. And that is always a free pass in fandom. Two, he's 19. So, it, look, it, everybody loved Jacob McDonald because it was a lot of fun. But Evan is 100% right when he says that guy has no structure to his game. He can't play an NHL game. I, I don't mean that as in he can't physically play in an NHL game. He's very capable of that. But McDonald cannot fit inside the, the structure of an NHL yep. team. Hey. It's very obvious that guy has made a career out of playing in the AHL where structure is a suggestion and, and he is just a fourth forward. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Full YOLO. It's and, and it looks different. Like it looks like Jacob McDonald is way more effective than Connor Timmons because you're seeing him do stuff more with the puck. And then you actually start to look at the underlines and you start looking at the on ice impacts. He's so far up the ice that you actually don't blame him for the odd man rushes because he's not in the shot. Yeah. You're just <laughs> like the guy's just gone. <laughs> And like his uh, McDonald's like underlying numbers actually have been uh, quite good, and no big surprise when he touches the puck and he just throws all of the pucks at all of the nets, right? Yep. But he also uh, he also played a really really sheltered role, and when you look at Timmins, uh, he's actually not getting sheltered very much. Now it's relative, yeah. It, yeah, like he's the, the the quality of competition is not very high, but Timmons is eating heavier defensive zone minutes than, say, J- Jacob McDonald was. Yep. And so he's he's in he has a harder job. And I'm looking. I I said it. I you have to love Jacob McDonald rolling into games and just being like, screw it, I'm going for it, baby. Yet, if you don't appreciate that attitude, I just I, I can't relate because it was it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. But when you're a head coach and you have a structure and you have a system and you're trying to ask defenders to do things like defend, having that guy constantly creating odd man rushes the other way by by being too far up the ice is problematic. Yeah. And Timmons is kind of on the other side where you know, he's been a little bit too timid to this yep. point. It's, it, rookies, 22-year-old yep. kids, you know. Jacob McDonald has hundreds of games of professional hockey under his belt. That guy doesn't have the same, like... Reservations, for yeah, sure. He's yeah, not, he doesn't have the same, like, man, maybe this is finally it for me. If I show really well, maybe I'll stick in the NHL for a long time. You know, he's like 27 years old. So it's just like 
you you gotta you, you love the moxie you love that he he goes into a room dick first that's awesome right like you love that kind of confidence but that's when you actually watch what he's doing structurally he's a major misfit for what they what they want to do yeah a guy that you know if if a guy has a really poor game and you want to rotate him in there totally okay with all of that especially with the Gilbert injury but a guy that you want to play every night? No. You're much better off seeing what you have in Connor Timmons. Much better off. Yeah. And, you know, the Evs defense is, is in a bit of a weird spot. We have seen, to a certain extent, uh, at least the big three of, of Gerard, Makar, and Taves have picked up a little bit of the scoring slack for the bottom six for the Evs. Makar, you expect the production out of, sure. Gerard has 10 points in the 13 games he's played, which is higher than previous years for him. He's producing extremely effectively. And Devontae's has seven points in 12 games. Granted, Gerard and Taves, decent amount of those points come on the power play for them, but they're still producing where, where others are not. So it's been effective for the Avalanche. Uh, you don't have that same production out of Graves, Byram, and obviously Timmons has no points so far this year. But yeah, also been problematic, man. Like the defense as a whole can give you more. Yep. You know, you expect more offense out of Bowen and Byram. And again, this is where we talk about oh, the on ice shooting percentage is a little bit low. And for Byram, it is. Yep. It's at six. For Connor Timmons, it's at four, man. Like, some of the depth problems, you're not you're not seeing Connor Timmons go out there and generate a ton of really high quality chances, so it doesn't feel like he's getting screwed a little bit. But he is. I mean, when you he had like five shots blocked last night. Yep. You know, and and open lanes that that closed down after he fired the puck. Does he need to shoot sooner? Blah 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 blah. Sure, we can have that conversation. Those are all things that maybe he needs to adjust. But to to be honest, I just. But the Avs don't have to play a wicked hot Mark Andre Fleury for at least a month. So, and this is where this is this is the last point that I kind of want to touch on um, for today in today's show, man. They they have a full month. Yep. Where they do not see the next month is enormous for Colorado. No Vegas. No. No St. Vegas. Louis. No St. Louis. Uh, I think they play Minnesota three times starting yep. on Wednesday. Yeah, three times starting on Wednesday. They play Arizona all of the time. Four times. They get San Jose twice in there. They get LA twice in there. Mm, it's six Arizona. Oh, you're games. right. Yeah. Because of the back to back right before the next Vegas yep. series. Yeah. It's it's so they have they have six Arizona games, uh three Anaheim games, three Minnesota games, two San Jose, and two LA. And let's be real. The ads should not be afraid of any of those games. Basically, they should go into all of those games with confidence that they are a significantly better team. Look, you need to get. Uh, I should have been adding those up as I was counting them. Uh, <laughs> Four, so six, nine, was... 11, 13, 15, 16. You need 12 wins. 12 wins out of the next 16 games. And uh, wouldn't you know it? 12 of those are at home. 
Or is it 11? I guess 11 of those are at home. Yeah. You need 12 wins. So there you go. You can't be you can't be splitting with LA. You can't be splitting with Anaheim. You can't be splitting with San Jose and Arizona. None of that shit. You need to, they need to start burying these guys. They need to start putting that separation, putting the pressure on Vegas. Hey, Vegas is four points up after that series. Just as they started it, the Avs blew their opportunity to erase the entire standings deficit, catch up to Vegas completely with a game in hand, and put themselves in the driver's seat of the division. That's what last night's loss cost them. Yep. It was not, it was not just a loss. It was a costly loss. They go from having a, a chance at a 3-1 season series lead against against Vegas to now they're at 2-2. Two and two. And you're going to have a different home ice feel in the next time the next time these two teams play each other because there will not be fans at Ball Arena when Vegas comes to Colorado, but the next time that the Avs go to Vegas, they'll have fans. Yep. Starting March 1st, the the Golden Knights are welcoming back 12 2500 people. They don't play until the very last week of April. By that point, who knows how many fans are there? So, you know, last night's loss, you chop. Look, Mark Andre Fleury was great. Uh, the Avs were not. It is what it is. That. Through yep. the four game series, it's funny because the three game, you learned more about Colorado and Minnesota in that three game series than you did about Colorado and Vegas in this four game series. I because mean, you have to the, throw two games out, basically. Yeah, the outdoor <laughs> game is a—it's an outdoor game. It's whatever. The very first game that they played is their first game back. Yep. Uh, in twelve days, and in and then the second game that they played, they were missing six regulars, five yep. regulars. So they played one normal game against you know, and that was last night's game. Pretty so, much. you know, you you. There's a lot of things that you can try and take away, but it was a bizarre four-game series. We'll see. You know, they're they're back on it where they're going to be clear-cut favorites every night for the next month. They've got to act like it. They've got to produce results like it. Yep. Twelve wins. Sixteen games. You. There are Twelve three, and four. There are three back-to-backs in that. It, it seems pretty straightforward to me. The Avs. As you said, every night should be the favorite. If you throw out back-to-backs because anything can happen on the second night of a back-to-back, you just don't know. The big thing about these back-to-backs versus previous back-to-backs is that both teams are in the same situations. There's no traveling. There's no advantages. There's none of that. Both teams in the exact same spots. The worries for Colorado is that those force you to play your backup goaltender. Yep. And right now, the Avs very, very, very much do not want to do that because they don't have one. <laughs> so, 12 wins, I think, is a fair assessment here. This is... Well, and with three back-to-backs, that's... It, if you it, win any games without Philip Grubauer in net... That gets a whole lot easier <laughs> to get to 12. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big win for you. Yep. So... Because you know, in those games, okay, so those 16 games, you three back-to-back, you're guaranteed to see a backup three times. You'll probably see another one because it's literally every other day now for the rest of the year for the Avalanche. Uh, you'll probably see a backup in there at some point. For sure. Other than the back, other than the back-to-back. Um, but Craig Anderson has a job in Washington, so 
they would have to go and get him. He started just the other night for the first time in like a year. Yeah. Um, based on that, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hunter Miss can give up four goals all on his own. Um, what was I going to say? My brain just stopped. Uh, you're talking about playing the backup goal yeah. or non. You're gonna have you're gonna have a you're gonna have a bad you're gonna have a bad Philip Grubauer night somewhere in there. Yep. And even asking him to continue at the level of play he has been is asking pretty unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, you're expected that at some point the level is going to drop. You just hope it doesn't drop too many. Yep. And so you're saying so we've got three games for sure with a back with a backup, probably a fourth. And then you're probably going to have one or two if he Grubauer Knights in there. You're hoping it's only one or two. I mean, the reality is the next month is probably going to define the season for the Avs. The first quarter of the season, they've kept themselves within striking distance of Vegas. You've started to see the separation from what's called the, the bottom four teams in the West. But if the Avs go 12-4... and four, they're going to be feeling pretty darn good about taking that first spot in the West. Well, that's so 16 games. It's 32 points in the yep. standings before they see Vegas again. Yep. Uh, if they wouldn't do for them to go 24 out of 32 points, you're feeling sexy. Yeah, exactly. If they, you've put a ton of pressure on Vegas to keep pace at that point. Right. And and if Vegas keeps pace, you know what credit to them, but the abs are still right there. Yeah. Uh, they, if they match point for point, and they roll into their next Vegas matchup with it being a four-point deficit. Yep. Two games at home versus Vegas. Could erase it right there. Yep. So, it's... And on the other side, if they struggle through this stretch, which they shouldn't, but if they do, you have to imagine talk about competing for first and the West is all but gone. Yeah, to, to, depending on... Yeah, the, where I'm, Vegas, what happens with right, ahead not, of them? Yeah, 100%. not going to get too into the what if, but you you can expect a top end team to perform relatively effectively. There's no excuses for them not to have a strong stretch in these 16 games. Yep, I don't. You know, the Kings are the only team where I'm like, ah, these guys, these guys just get the Av. They have the Avs number for all of their history. So like two games against them. Even even the Duck series includes back to back, so you avoid Gibson most likely for one of those games. Oh. <laughs> so this is it's go time for the Avs, basically, yeah. is what we're saying. It's it's get right season. All of these all of these numbers with all these guys in the bottom six, it's time to start getting healthy. Yep. Production, 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 yeah. baby. Start start you're gonna go out there against a bunch of teams that have already started Anaheim's already like we're pulling veterans out of the lineup to see what some of these kids are got, played the know? other night. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's already getting to be that time around the NHL. Halfway through March, you'll see teams teams uh, start to really put it in the tank. I think. Yeah. So there you go. Like and subscribe to the video as we're going to get out of here for the day. Thank you everyone watching, listening, consuming the podcast. However you do, we very much appreciate it. We hope you will continue to follow us here. We will be back again tomorrow night after the Avs game for a live post game pod. 
I believe it's AJ and I on that one. Blaze, um, of course. Tomorrow? Yeah. Yes. Evans, Evans in got, the arena, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Evans got uh, the assignment. There you go. So, And then we will be in the bar yes. Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturdays back-to-back. We will be at the bar doing our show live from the bar. So come on down. Hang out. Hang have out. some fun. Get down there and we'll be sure to chat you up if you're looking for us. You know how it is. Shoot us a DM on Twitter or something if you're coming down to the bar. That's all I got. Thank you for watching. Hopefully you learned something or something. I don't know. We will catch you guys next time. <laughs>